Good evening and welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports on our Folks Talk Sports Twitter account, as well as on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. I am Chris Gardner, KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. With me right now, you see on the screen, and of course, when you listen later on on, your pod, on the podcast platforms, Andy Yanez from the Community Impact Newspaper and Paul Samajama, and also James Mueller, sports editor for the Daily Cougar. Young man, how are you? Which which one, Chris? Two one. Of us. I said young men, young men, young men. How <laughs> oh, are you? I'll go first. I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? How are you? I'm all right. James, how are you, sir? Doing well. All right. Are y'all staying cool? Trying to anyway? Uh, yeah. yeah, trying to. I mean, my goodness, it's 104 degrees here in, in Houston. Feels like temperature of 112. Yeah. That's very hot. Maybe that's why we're all kind of tired and kind of got the blahs here on a Sunday. So this really is the dog days of of summer and sports for many of us because it's kind of a it's not quite football season, college or pro, summer league in the NBA, which is summer league in the NBA. Not a big deal. It's not much going on in college. We'll get into it. Why, citizens? Thank you for uh, chiming in on the YouTube channel at Houston Round Ball Review. Let's get into it. Um, not much lately on college realignment. whole bunch of rumors. I have not tweeted out or retweeted too many of them because most of the folks, I don't know who they are. And I don't know if they are have great sources or they're just trying to get clicks or it's so much fluctuation and, and so much we don't know. A person I talked to a few days ago regarding what's the term the partnership what's the what, what is it the the quote being tossed around for the pac-12 and the acc whatever it was the term coming to my head uh, is it alliance it's not alliance, alliance or merge the, the, so, the so-called partnership so-called alliance it wasn't you know wasn't exactly an alliance because it not going to be a merger or anything of that sort basically the person i spoke to said yeah that doesn't do much that's not going to be a huge money maker make a big difference financially for either the Pac-12 or the ACC, because my angle also coming from, from a Big 12 perspective, as well as a UH alum perspective, afraid that the Cougs would be screwed again <laughs> with this realignment. And this person said, Big 12, should, right now, the Big 12 is still okay on solid f- uh, f- footing. And so things can change going forward, but right now, it's all good for Houston going forward. Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF joining the Big 12 money-wise. Big 12 football media days, two days. Of, it will be this Wednesday, July 13th and 14th. New Big 12 Commissioner Britt Yormark will be talking at his intro press conference Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m. I think that's going to be on ESPNU as well as on ESPN Plus as part of the Big 12 now on ESPN Plus. I thought about it. I think I said it to you guys a few days ago that he might have some news to share about realignment on Wednesday during that press conference. I'm not as confident in that anymore, but I'm sure he'll be asked about it. So just what if, James, you first, What if, have you heard anything different? Any new news, anything to share, anything, any concerns on campus at Houston about the uh, all those discussions about possible mergers between the Pac-12 and, and the ATC and 
Big 12 kind of being excluded? No, not really. I basically heard from people the same thing that you just talked about where, you know, there's tons of rumors flying around, but nothing is sort of, you know, in the works at this time in that UH right now, as it stands, um, people within the university feel like, you know, they're a solid footing. Obviously that could change at any second if something crazy happens, but right now they're happy about the position that the university's in um, heading into the big 12 in less than a year. Andy, how about you? What have you heard? No, uh, similar to James, obviously, it, like you mentioned at the top of the show, it seems like there's rumors all over the place of a bunch of, you know, people that, you know, sometimes uh, they're not necessarily the most reliable source, but I think the, the most noise that, that was coming uh, this week, and I, I think it might have been both The Athletic and Sports Illustrated, that they mentioned um, how the Big 12 was at the very least in discussions or keeping in contact with uh, the Arizona, I believe it was Arizona, Arizona State, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, but I believe it's Utah and Colorado, and right. then uh, with even Oregon and, and Washington getting thrown in there as well. Um, I think that's really the big, the big noise that's that's been around this past week. Um, there's been a lot of you know speculation whether how quick how deep are those conversations is that there have been reports saying that oh they're they're pretty serious talks and there's other reports that oh it's overblown they're just casual talking so i think it's a lot of hearsay and you know, the truth probably lies in somewhere and i i can't remember if it was the athletic article i believe it was the athletic article but they mentioned that uh brett yarmark i believe that's how you correctly pronounce his last name the new right. commissioner of the 12 is already you know kind of you know, being thrown into the fire with his new role and kind of leading, spearheading, uh, being aggressive for the Big 12, which is something that we talked about last week. I feel that that's what the Big 12 needs to do because, Chris, I know you personally believe that that it's going to be one of the Pac-12 for Big 12 that that, that is going to be left standing, not both. Right. You know, it's, it's a question of which of those two conferences will be more aggressive and proactive because mm-hmm. I think who, whichever of the two isn't, will be left behind and left behind and more of a non-power status, even though all signs point to it being a, a power two, being the yeah. Big Ten and the SEC, and then Big 12 and the ACC be the other two. And that, that'll be it. You know, the rumors about, what was it? Thursday or Friday about uh, someone tweeted out, ESPN was trying was I guess the back channel is getting Florida State, Miami and Virginia, whatever, to leave the ACC to join the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, stuff like that. You know, we, we just don't know who's, who's putting stuff out there, who, where they're getting the information from. Um, earlier in the week, thoughts, reports that the Big 12 was in talks with representatives from the four corner schools and then Oregon and Washington, so six of the Pac-12. The later in the week, some of the national guys said, "Yeah, that was overblown. You know, it really wasn't as serious as industry thought." I'm just waiting. That's why I don't tweet too much about it because I hear something from certain folks and don't hear from others, and I'm just kind of in a wait and see pattern, holding pattern to see what what happens uh, with Houston with the Big 12. Kudos to Joseph Duarte from the Chronicle for the series he did this week. In the Chronicle about uh, the Big 12 preps, I mean, Houston prepping for the Big 12. I think, James, you said you got some things going on at the Cougar uh, coming 
either this month or, or next month about some of that stuff as well, right? Yeah, we're just, it's all done, but we're holding back because it's for like our big magazine at the beginning of the year, so. Okay, well, since all three of us have UH ties, uh, Duarte's articles today in the Chronicle touched on revenue and subsidy for Houston. This kind of hits home. University of Houston had a record $41 million in university subsidy this past year and $8.46 million in student fees, which represented three-fourths of all its revenue for the fiscal year 2021. Guys, that's not good. That is not sustainable going forward. Your thoughts on that? Did you read about it? Did you know, or know about that? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, or I can start, I guess. I mean, Chris Pesman talked about how right now they're trying to get that athletic budget up to from 75 to 100 million um, in the next two, three years. Um, so you see, you see the need for that um, and being able to, you know, they've talked about a bunch be, you know, more self-sustainable, not having to rely on so much outside sources, but just UH athletics, you know, being able to, to sustain itself. Um, but obviously the numbers don't really surprise me just because we've hit on things, you know, the promotion of programs, the attendance stuff isn't great um, other than men's basketball, really. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, they're having to rely on, you know, that much money to keep things afloat. Andy, what are your thoughts on that? No, like James said, it's not surprising what we've seen or what we've heard, not only from, you know, different sources or different us we've talked about in the past, but um, Dana Hogerson and, and Kelvin Sampson that touched on it. And even Kelvin Sampson, whenever they announced the, the fundraiser, uh, what, that was two weeks ago, three weeks ago already? Yep. Um, the Houston Rise. Dollar, uh, fundraiser that they're seeking, um, I believe the way they termed it was to, to essentially – uh, upgrade facilities and to be able to catch up to standards of the Big 12 going into the, the Power 5 conference. Um, obviously, a big chunk of it going to the, the new standalone football facility, uh, football training facility for the football team. Uh, but Kelvin Sampson resumed that he, that he had um, that Thursday, that, that same Thursday that they announced that program, that mm -hmm. fundraiser. Um, you know, he said that it, it really that doesn't even scratch the surface of how much money that they really need to raise. Um, and I, I think I, I joked about it to you, Chris, a little bit where, you know, Kelvin Sampson right off the bat um, kind of um, took a pause on a lot of the positivity spin that, that was being put out in terms of, you know, trying to ride it with the fundraiser just because of, uh, I believe he said that they really need $350, 400000000 million to be able to catch up to a lot of these other programs that are already in Big 12 that are at that Power 5 level. And it's true because you know, when you look at it, these conferences, when we had Sam Klein, I don't believe the last time. I think it was the the actually it might have been last year. Whenever we had him on, and um, he talked about the different. Um, I'm mean, just look at Texas. There's different football schools in Texas, and how um, I believe he said, if not all of them, majority of them already have their own standalone football facility, mm -hmm. um, and that's who they're going to be going and competing with. Uh, once they join the Big 12, they're going to be competing against Texas Tech, against Baylor, against uh, TCU, all these schools that are have already been there. They've already done that. They already have the lead. And even the first two years when Houston joins, they're not even necessarily going to be on an even playing field just in terms of the revenue they're getting. Um, so there's still a lot of commitment. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, like you mentioned, 
they are far behind. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they try to implement to close that gap. And um, I haven't heard much of, of progress on the fundraiser. It'd be interesting to see how much they have been able to, to fundraise just in, now that it's going to be three weeks that that, that uh, program has been launched. With no deadline of, of, of a goal to raise the 150, as Willie Gibson, you know, pointed out. And I think Andy hit on like a really good point. Like that gap's going to continue to grow over this, these next few years. Right. Which, and um, since Houston was not invited to the Big 12 initially, reports are they're like half a billion dollars behind. Half a billion with a B. Half a billion. You know, being behind. And Joseph Duarte says in his article, with a current operating budget of $75 million, UH would be last mm -hmm. among the 14 schools that will compete in the Big 12 beginning next season. Think about that. Okay. And I think James touched on it. Chris Pesman, the vice president of athletics at Houston, has a, has a goal, a hope to raise, get, to increase the budget to $100 million in a few years. So they're already behind the eight ball. You know, subsidies, it, the goal is to be self-sustaining. A lot has to happen. A lot has to change. More money, revenue has to come in from ticket sales, merchandising, donations, contributions, all those things, as well as the, the media rights, which will increase in the Big 12, roughly, what, 16 million, 20 million, first one and two years, then up to hopefully $40 million. But you just, Houston and Houston alums and fans and supporters can't just rely on the media rights money. Mm -hmm. They have to do a better job. We have to do a better job of buying tickets, buying merch. All, all those things are are a part of being sustaining. And then pull up another thing from Duarte's article. Uh, let's see here. Five of the current Big 12 schools were subsidy free in 2021, public schools. UT, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Kansas State were subsidy free. The other three public schools, Texas Tech, KU, and West Virginia, Texas Tech was only 200 grand subsidy. KU was less than 4 million. West Virginia was 9 million. So those three numbers add them up. That's 13 million, basically. Houston triple was, that. At, was triple that at 41 million <laughs> subsidy. A lot has to change going forward, and we'll see how it all happens. Put it, put it up there. Put this comment up here because now we're going to get back into the, the lack of marketing and the poor marketing that UH has done, continues to do, billboards need to be all around. They need to do a better job. Okay, it's July 10th. The football team, it's not a big deal to me as a media person, but in terms of marketing and promotions, the football team had a successful season last year, beat an SEC team in a bowl game. How much promotion have we heard about that this summer? Heard about it, seen it. Heard about it on radio, seen it on Twitter, billboards, etc. How much have we seen about the football team success from last season? Not much. I know they just put up a billboard to replace like the baseball season ticket one that is right outside their outdoor facility. They put up like a football uh, season ticket billboard this week or last week. But other than that, like social media, there hasn't been much. It's been, you know, the occasional post here and there, but not like some of these big time programs who are like, you know, seven Saturdays till. Ohio State football comes back. 
special deal for this home opener game tickets, whatever, like just UH we've seen one or two posts every yeah. couple of weeks. And, you know, and that's an issue. And, and I mean, this is our show, folks talking sports. This is a show, you know, we are all credentialed media members, but this outlet, this platform, this streaming platform is another way to reach a different audience, a younger audience. Contact us, give us information, work with us to help promote the program. Okay. Like James said about touched on the seven Saturdays until Ohio State football. How many Saturdays is it until UH football? The countdown, the countdown needs to be on for the program because once Texans start practice training camp, this is a pro football town. Okay. If this is not a Houston Cougars football town. When Tom Herman was here, Tom Herman knew how to market and promote. You know how to, you know, he got on some folks' nerves about how much how much he was, some things he was doing for promotion for the program, but it worked. You had people talking about him, talking about the football team, the program, a lot. And then, of course, they were winning as well. So that also helps, no question. But this is a give and take. If you want people to know about your program, you got to get out there and tell them about your program. And can I add one thing? Please do. So I forget when, maybe like a couple weeks ago, a month ago, Clayton Toon was named by Dave Campbell's magazine, the top quarterback, college quarterback in Texas coming into the year. Tank Dell, the receiver, was named top in Texas. UH football, you know, re retweeted those tweets. But like, do a hype video, like uh, something simple, highlights of some of their best plays, like just to get people excited. Because you've got these athletes who people are, I mean, top in Texas, Texas is very talented, like, Right, hype it up more than rather just Clayton Tune was named top quarterback in Texas. Uh, you know things like that. Dave Campbell, one of the most respected publications in the state, acknowledging two of your your players. And what do you do with it? How, how many videos? How how many videos are on the UH Cougar football YouTube site or on the, the TikTok account, the Twitter account for Clayton Tune Tank Dell? How, how much promotion, how many stories have we seen about them this summer? None. None. You've got to connect, help the players, the <clears throat> student athletes, or as I say, the student assets, help the fans connect with who you have on your team. And you know where I'm going to go with this, not just on the UH YouTube channel. Put it on there. Put it on for now. Put it on the American, on ESPN Plus channel. You got so many ways to do this. You know, James, maybe you want to do it. I don't know how it would work. Maybe we need to invite Clayton Tune on Folks Talking Sports. Get Tank Dell on here. Maybe that's what we need to do to, to get UH people to realize, oh, there are other platforms for people to, to for us to tell our, our players' stories, have it told for us. Yeah, <laughs> you need to do things like that. Instead of us just giving you ideas, Make it happen. You need to do this yourself. Be proactive. For far too long, going back to when I was a student at UH, UH has been reactive. It's time to be proactive, pro proactive in your promotion, proactive in your marketing, because you're already behind financially with the Big 12, but at least do your part to promote your program, to promote your players to promote your coaches mm -hmm. because if you don't who will
because at some point, folks talking sports can move on to something else. We can move on and talk about the Rockets. Rocket fans love to come to this YouTube channel to talk about the Rockets. They, I'm surprised more of them haven't tuned in right now during this show. Why are you talking about Jabari Smith and his shooting struggles? You know, but right now we're talking about UH football, UH athletics, because we can. <laughs> but if the numbers are outside of, and we're still going to continue, Andy's going to do it, no question. The less Rage Cougs post game shows, the unofficial post game shows for UH athletics, we're going to do that. But that's a specific Houston Cougar athletic focus. Folks talking sports doesn't have to focus on UH. We got other sports to talk. We can talk about the NBA. We can talk about the Rockets. We can talk about Kyrie, LeBron. I could toss out some more WNBA stuff I'm going into, you know, other things like that. Cougs, you got to do it here. All right? And, and uh, yes, go ahead. No, I was just going to add to the point where I, uh, while you and Jake were talking, I went and obviously we don't have Will, but I, I, I had to compare it with uh, the Ohio State, of course, just, you know, an homage to him. Um, I wish he was here because I know he would love it. But I went through their Twitter account. And I saw the tweet just July. We're 10 days into July. Uh, the Ohio State football account has tweeted 12 times um, since the calendar turned to July. The UH football Twitter account has tweeted five times only. Three of those five times, two of them were birthday posts. One of them was the 4th of July. For Ohio State, they also had a 4th of July post. Um, so I know it's a small sample size, but you see a little bit of the difference there. 12 to 5 tweets. Um, it starts from right there. I mean, if they're not tweeting every day, at the very least, um, I believe it was Friday or earlier this week where they had a post of the workouts. You know, there's players that are in the building. They're having workouts. Like you guys mentioned, they had the Dave Campbell's. Um, it wasn't just Clayton Toon and, and Nathaniel Dell, who I believe they did do uh, some sort of video for, for both of them. But just going beyond that, I think they had seven players total that were named on their um, preseason all-team. And I think they had, uh, they had a couple of defensive players there as well. And really, it, it kind of they only focused on Toon and, and uh, Tank Dell, who, I mean, don't get me wrong, they had spectacular seasons a year ago. But, you know, the defense is kind of um, – really was been rebuilt under Doug Belk and they did a, a heck of a job this past season. Uh, you don't really see a lot of, you know, hype for them or, you know, uh, just a lot of different ways you can capitalize on that momentum that, like you guys said, what happened from, you know, this past season where they had their best year. Um, certainly in, in a long time, the best year under Dana Hogerson and one of the best seasons that they had in the last couple of years, um, finishing 12-2 and two and, and getting a bowl win. Is there, I'll, I'll keep asking you guys, until it changes is there a lawrence sampson equivalent for uh football Not that I, I can't think yeah it, it, i can't think of it no that they have to they have to either hire someone or i don't know if dana hogerson um has some type of connection or anything like that um i, I just don't see it that is an issue that needs to change and it's not just for the football team, it's for a lot of these other programs as well. Agreed. It's, you know, Lauren, her job is for UH men's basketball. And, and I know the other UH sports may not have the budget for it. But there needs to be someone, you know, one person for three teams, some, someone to help promote and market the other teams on campus. So, you know, it's just, I mean, right there, you, you can tell UH basketball promotion is different when they had a June 27th post and football had nothing. Okay. It's, 
things like that. I mean, when was the you uh, football camps? Were there any seven on seven drills, anything like that this summer? I don't know. I'm asked. I don't. I don't know. But I know I've, I've seen things about uh, the basketball camps for UH men's and women's basketball summer camps, elite camps for, for them. Football. Okay, we know it. The people tuning in on YouTube and Twitter know football is king in Houston. Okay, but it seems like UH football, UH marketing does not know that. Promote UH football. Linebacker, uh, former linebacker Grant Stewart hosted a camp at TDCU a couple weeks ago, and it was all, I don't think UH football retweeted or anything. I think it was all his own promotion for things. But like you said, basketball, they had three weeks of camps. You see all about that. Right now you see every day they're posting their players' summer league stats and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's still room for improvement, of course, but basketball, I mean, football's got to try to start modeling after that, at least. Yeah, let's let's put this comment up here of Ace Town's finest. Let's see. He needs to do a better job of recruiting talents. Lots of high school. Well, I don't disagree with that. And I asked James and Andy about this. James, you might have more info on it regarding who Dana is recruiting and signing locally. How's he doing? in terms of football talent, recruiting? I mean, this year they jumped up 27 spots nationally um, in recruiting for the 2022 class. A lot of guys they got, um, they, they hit really well in the transfer portal in terms of some JUCO guys as well as some of like the Joseph Manjack type guys, um, guys that, you know, were interested in the program when they were in high school, but, you know, wanted to play power five and, now that UH is going into the Big 12, they sort of gotten them back. But Dana's talked about, um, and I also have talked to some people within UH football recruiting, just how they're in so much, so many more uh, conversations now, um, just because of that level. And like, one, a guy inside recruiting was telling me they were talking to this four-star athlete, and like they thought they had no chance. But he's like, "I'm seriously interested. Like, if you offer me, there's a," and he's a Texas kid, like. There's a real shot. So, like, there, there's a lot more interest. Um, and so I think you'll start seeing these bigger names come here. But there's still obviously work to do. Um, but overall, it's trending in the right direction. They haven't done a ton with their upcoming, you know, 2023, 2024, those classes, um, as they're still trying to fill out this roster. But I think we will start to see bigger names and more kids stay home now that they will have that Power 5 status. Um, yeah. But – I'll say this, and I'm gonna put this comment up because it's more relevant to what we're talking about right now. Recruits know when you don't take football serious, it shows. Okay, Dana's philosophy, I think it was in another article, a part of the series in the Chronicle from Joseph Duarte, is that he has the transfers like Man Jack was able to get Texas players, guys from the Houston area who initially left to go to another D1 school came back, Power 5, came back to Houston because of the move to the Big 12, things like that. Okay, that's a start. But if you don't do a better job promoting your spring game, you don't do a better job promoting getting people to come see the spring game, come to the football games, because high school players, they see it. They go on visits outside of Houston. If they go on an official visit or an unofficial visit, 
and they see 30, 40, 50,000 people at a practice, okay, I'm just as an example, and then they go to Houston for, for a visit and they see 200. <laughs> okay, how seriously do you take football at Houston compared to Baylor, compared to TCU, compared to Texas Tech? You got to do a better job with that as well. That's part of it also. <clears throat> so, you know, we know it's, Houston is a football town. You waste these do a better job of acting like it's a football town and promoting itself, the success of the team, the program. Go ahead, James. Oh, I was going to just say, like, add on, obviously – Dana, you know, has talked about the importance of the new football building, like helping with recruiting, but start uh, start simple, sort of like you were talking about, just improve the game day atmosphere now. Like if you're a high school athlete, you go to UH, they can't sell out a 40,000 uh, yep. person stadium. And then you go to big schools where they're selling 80,000, 90,000, 100,000 plus people. I want to play in front of those atmospheres. If I can't even sell out a 40,000, like work on that, get, get people in the stands. Cause then, Obviously, the football building is going to take time, and you can't just rely on that to draw in your recruits. In, in, improve the game day atmosphere. Get get more excitement around the program that way because, I mean, kids want to play in front of those big crowds. They want the sure. fan base to be excited because right now, I mean, UH fans, I, I, I think a lot of motivation for UH has to come within the players rather than the fan base because when you, the stadium's half full and they're faint cheers, I mean – you, you sort of got to self-motivate rather than, you know, walking out to 100,000 people screaming. One, one of the issues, and it's been this way for years, <clears throat> and it has to change, is UH alums, fans, do not go see UH play. Yeah. They see the opponent play. Coach Sampson talked about that. Football side, it's the same thing. You know, the last, the largest crowd, what was it? They have not had a, a 30,000 plus mm, crowd since 2018. 2018. 2018. 30,000. Have not had 30,000 for a home game at TD ECU since 2018. I know we had COVID. That wasn't last year's issue. Last year's it wasn't team was a 2019 was, issue. Okay. So this team, this football team, hey, I'm critical of the football program, Dana some of the opponents, the scheduling, all those things. But you are a UH alum, UH fan. UH, UH needs to do a better job of connecting fans in the city of Houston to the program. Mm -hmm. As James talked about the game day atmosphere, you got to give people a reason to want to be at UH football games. Mm -hmm. And one of the issues about, I think I read, I heard it, um, about the, the designs, the renderings for the UH the football-only facility, some guys say, I don't want to see drawings. Some of the recruits, I don't want to see drawings. I want to see the actual, you know, construction being begun and starting all those things. Hey, Co Coach Kelvin Sampson had that same issue. He still got talented players come in, believing in a vision, a dream of the program, what, what it's going to be. It, it worked for him. Look, what they, look, look at the success of basketball right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, don't, don't. That's an excuse. If you're hearing that from some, some players, well, I want to see, well, one, you need to start construction get hurt as well but you got to get those guys young man just trust me in the vision it's going to happen we're going to get it done we're going to build we're going to build it it's going to get done 
you can be part of the program, help us continue our success and reach higher heights with you here, you and your friend, you and your, your family come support us. We've got to sell that vision. I'm not sure Dana's great at selling. The, he's not a good self-promoter. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I don't, you know, I don't know him that well. But James, Andy, you, you interact with him. How, how is he in terms of promotion? I mean, you'll see him do like the typical tweets and stuff. And but I mean, he's a good promoter. At, at what's that event that they call um, before the season starts? Cage rage. Cage rage. Yeah, he does a good job of pumping uh, students up with with some of the quotes he he gives on the the cage rage. <laughs> um, I can't remember what did he say the first year when it was Oklahoma. Um, he said. I remember he said something, and then he said again last season before they played Texas Tech um, that they were going to wreck them Tech. So uh, I don't know. At least with the students, he does a good job of being able to rally. <laughs> at least could give good quotes. But Dana's, Dana's good at one-liners. How many yeah. folks attended the cage rage? There's a good amount of students that attend, but then a lot of them don't come back for football games. Let's be honest, because um, <laughs> there's got to do better. And yeah. one thing, like just looking at marketing and you know promoting the football game day atmosphere better like if your tickets are as cheap as they can get you know you can get in the gates for 10 bucks like and you're still having trouble you know getting forty thousand people that 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 shows that there's an issue right there like yeah it's not it's not a financial issue it's not like people can't afford them it's very affordable families can afford to take you can take your six person family to the game for a hundred bucks probably and like, you know, I think, don't, go ahead, go ahead, Andy. No, I was going to put this comment on the on the screen because I, I was kind of curious to see uh, what you guys thought of it. Because you know, even going back to the early days, um, I know us three, we know the the story of you know how Kelvin Sampson would be walking around campus with a with a bullhorn trying to get people to show up at Hawthorne's Pavilion um, and just sell them on being able to go out and support you know the program. And Chris, you've talked about it in the past. You know, even you know going back as far back. Whenever you were a student, you would talk about how sometimes you were the you and your group of friends would be the only type of you know people that would heckle the opposing team yeah. and would be a home type home court atmosphere, and that's uh, completely one eighty where it is today, where you have you know every game, every game's a sellout uh, when it comes to the student section, uh, specifically in the in the in the floor section that they label. I can't remember the name specifically off the top of my head right now. I think they call it the cage or. Yeah, something, uh, but where the students are actually on the court and, um, you know, every game, especially, it doesn't matter who it is, there's going to be students out there that they go early because they want to secure a spot on mm -hmm. the court. That's something that, that the University of Houston gives kudos to, to the basketball team. They've made unique. Um, that That's not necessarily um, a place, something that you're going to see at every university and people show up early because they want to get a spot there and they're going to be active there. Um, and give credit going back to the marketing aspect that we talked about um, in terms of social media, the, the official, you know, men's basketball social media accounts, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, they do a good job after the game where, you know, obviously after uh, the game ends and, and the team wins, the student athletes go around and they, they go into the student section, they high five students and you have um, people filming and they usually end up putting a post about it uh, post game, which just stuff like that. So stuff like that, that, you know, you're kind of not just um, you're involving the students, you're involving the crowd. And that's something, even a small little detail that kind of makes people want to go because, Hey, you know, it, it kind of gets them to buy in and it, it just kind of has more of a, 
for the lack of a better term, of the more of a unity or unification to it, for lack of a better word, um, just overall with the program. And it should not be Dana's job, Coach Horgus's job, to promote walk around campus with the bullhorn. He needs to hire someone, make a decision for him, hire a Lawrence Sampson equivalent for football, for marketing, for promotion, for the Twitter account, all those things, so that can be taken care of. So that, that has to happen. They need to build off the success of last season for the football team. They need to do a better job of being on other radio stations in town to talk about football, not just 97.5 where your buddies are or 610. There are other stations that will help you promote your program, especially now if they're winning, especially now that you're going to the Big 12 because some of the stations in town are bandwagon. Oh, Houston going to the Big 12? I want to be part of that action. I want to be part of that riot too. I want to be part of that promotion. Let me help you. Help us. You need to do that as well. So football, and I think when Media Day is a one-day event, right, for the AAC this, this month, it's going to be this month, right, I think? Yeah, it's a couple. It's towards or, well, last year, actually, I think it was two, but maybe not. I can't remember. But I think Houston's going to be a, a favorite. Yeah. To win the win the conference this year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, ESPN and like their not way too early rankings or whatever had them as high as thirteen overall nationally. In football? Yeah. Wow. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw that. I yeah. saw that as well. Okay. Build up, build off that hype. Get people interested in your football program. The seventy-five dollars with deposit for football tickets—that's not a lot of money. You know, if you don't have it, it's a lot of money. But the alums, the older alums, the older money at Houston, which it seems like UH still relies on over, you know, too much mm-hmm. rather than the younger alums. They got money to buy these tickets. They got enough. There are enough UH alums to raise the season ticket base for football to 10000 not 2000 okay? 10000 There's enough people out there who can do that. Got to market. Got to promote, do a better job, social media, all those things. You have to do that. You have to be more active because Big 12 Conference, as long as it exists, is big time football. It may mm-hmm. not be a lot of major cities like, you know, some outsiders are trying to, to you know, harp on and bring up about uh, population, demographics, all of those things. But it is big time. Diehard football is in Big 12 country. Okay. Houston Cougars football, not a lot of diehard fans, especially not 20, 30,000 diehard fans who will be there at every football game, regardless of the opponent. You got to do better. You got to change. I'm going to borrow a quote from Coach Sampson. Stop doing what we've been doing (laughs) and do something else. Do something different. Because what we, and I'm saying we as Houston, as a Houston Cougar family, what we've been doing football-wise has not worked. Okay, so do something different and hopefully do it correctly, do it better, and you have better results. Because $41 million subsidy from the General University Fund, that's not good. That's not sustainable going forward, and you cannot rely on meteorite money going forward when you get to the Big 12 with bigger slices of pie. Because at some point, that money's going to plateau. It's going to go to the Big Ten and SEC. Then what are you going to do? 
you're still gonna need people to buy tickets to buy the merchandise you know and promote the program in the city state and the country all right could i add one more thing please do please do just sort of on that like obviously going to the big 12 will help excite the football fan base a little more but it's not going to solve everything and going back to sort of what you said like a big concern i sort of think about is like when they're in the big 12 baylor tcu texas tech they have a ton of alums in houston it's an easy drive you might not even have a home field advantage. There might it might be split half and half if it continues like if, this. If if we're lucky, it it might be eighty percent Baylor fans at TDECU Stadium if things don't change. I don't want that. And then how do you sell it to recruits, high school kids? Yeah, come see us at TDECU Stadium, where the majority of the fans will be for the for the other team. But yeah, come sign with UH. Okay, who, that's not going to work. <laughs> Smart high school kids gonna be like, well. I'm I'm here at your stadium, but I see the majority of fans are Baylor fans. I'm gonna wake up for that then. <laughs> you know? So 50-50, I think you're being kind, James. I think you're you're very you're thinking very positive. I'm not sure that's gonna be the case, especially for Baylor. I'm just saying that like, people think like, you know, the Big 12 is gonna solve this issue completely. Yeah. Well, like there's there's a lot more that needs to be done. And like you said, yeah, it could be more than that because other alums in Texas show up for their school and like you said, it would be a flat-out embarrassment if home UH football games are, are – UH is getting booed and the other team is – Yeah. So, you know, and and that was at, that was at the NRG, right? Yeah. The right. UH Texas Tech game. But still, so, it's in your home city. Like. Yes. You've got to do a better job of part of that. Promotion. you got to market that matchup. Market that matchup to Houston fans. Fans in the city, Houston fans, Houston Cougar fans, Houston Cougar alums, all those things. Come on, man. We're giving you this advice, these suggestions. Take advantage of these suggestions. And I'm sure you've heard it from other people, not just us. You gotta do better. You gotta be proactive with your marketing, your promotion. And you finally have a winning football team. You could use the excuse of, well, we weren't winning back, you know, a couple years ago. We didn't want to promote that. That's a cop out. Because if it's up to you to promote your program, it's up to you to get people to come see your team play. And they say it again, to see your team play, not the opponent. That's up to you. Because once again, if you don't promote and market your team, who else will? You know, we don't have to spend time. We spent 40 minutes talking about UH football pretty much on this show. We don't have to do that. And I'm going to prove my point right now. Gentlemen, Jabari Smith was 5 for 21 last night. Is he a bust? <laughs> the sky is falling. No. Uh, Chris, what did you say before the summer league even began uh, last week? You know, it, it's summer league. It's not the end-all, be-all. You said if, you know, he had gone out there and he had scored 30 and 10. Yeah. Uh, I um, said if he went 2 for 20. It's not a big deal if he goes eighteen or twenty, right? You know, yeah. I I think Rafael Stone said it best. Like you know, like Jabari. I mean, you're much. He's much more excited about the defensive side that Jabari's shown. Like, there's there's other things you're looking for than rather than shooting. You know, you want him building that chemistry with his teammates. You know, getting that experience, showing showing winning plays like diving on the floor with thirty seconds to get the ball. Like Mm -hmm. that right there. That's more important to me, uh, even though, you know, summer league's not that important than if he scored 30 points. Like, you want to see those little things. And yes. 
So, because, you know, last night during the Let's Talk Houston Rockets, there were a couple, majority, much more people were, were not worried about your, your bar shooting struggles. But there were a couple. I'm, I've, I've got issues, Chris. i got issues about what I'm seeing so far in two games. Really? <laughs> two games? Did you lie? Come on, people. Come on. Come on. It's summer league. The defense is there. I think the defense is ahead of the offense right now. And yeah, as a sure. coach, that's what a coach that's what wants. You want. yeah. <laughs> so he took good shots. He was more aggressive uh, Saturday night. Right. Uh, ball. The second part of this, where is it? The, uh, the, the Garuba comment. I'm going to talk about Usman Garuba. Mm. I forget who it was who, who made the phrase popular. The best ability is availability. And Usman Garuba has not and won't be available for summer league. Not his fault. He's not getting hurt on purpose, but he's hurt. Sprained ankle, grade two sprain. He's not able to showcase what he's done, what he did so far in the summer, earlier in the summer. Come a point, man. If you're injury prone, if and even injury prone is kind of wrong. If you're battling injuries so much that you cannot play and cannot be relied on, then whoever you are, that team's going to have to move on at some point mm -hmm. because you're having problems staying healthy. So that is an issue with Usman Garuba. Wish him well. Whatever bad luck, juju, voodoo, whatever, sprinkle on you know, get some good luck vibes going his way. So maybe come uh, training camp, he'll be healthy and be able to play and showcase his skill set because before the draft last year, he was considered the best defensive player not in the NBA. That's high praise. But since then, he hasn't been healthy enough to, to show it consistently. But yes, Tari Eason's looked good the first two games. It's summer league, but what you see from Tari Eason, he likes to play defense. Ty Ty Washington likes to play defense. Rock's got guys who like playing defense. That's a start right, right there. Yeah, it's a change of the, the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost waiting for, for the Rockets to start sounding like the Cougars and start talking about <laughs> culture, the culture mindset. You know, we play defense here at the Rockets. We, we're, our goal is to make, it, make life difficult for the opponent. We're, we're defense. That's who we are. I'm waiting for that to happen because Rafael Stone, every so often, some of his comments, he's beginning to sound like a Kelvin Sampson disciple. <laughs> you know, we're trying to establish a culture here. A culture of an, an identity here of hard work, of being physical, of being defensive minded. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you've been in Houston for, for a while, you know. So, Coach Silas hiring Lionel Hollins. Lionel Hollins is older than me, which shows you how old he is. Old school guy in the NBA when he was a player, old school guy as a, as a coach. Part of the grit and grind philosophy in Memphis with the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies yeah. so um, he's going to bring that mentality here with the Rockets. So all those positives, the defense. Let me put it like this: This is my mentality. If you make life difficult for your opponent and make it hard for them to score, defense travels. Okay, your shot may come and go, but if you make life hard and miserable for your opponent to score, you're going to win more games than not, and you lose. Because they're just get to a point where, damn man, this guy's always in much. He's everywhere I go. There he is. Talking about Tar Eason. 
or Jabari Smith. He's everywhere. If, if other teams think, 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 think that about the Rockets, Rocket fans, y'all should be happy because once you stop teams, you rebound the ball, you got in transition, and get easy buckets. Defense can do that. Defense can lead to the offense. And so that, that way, if you're struggling to make shots, just go in transition. Easy buckets. That, that also works winning formula. Folks forget, as great as Steph Curry is, the greatest shooter as Clay is, the Warriors win championships because they stop people. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins gave Tatum the business. He made life miserable for Jason Tatum. That's defense. Don't forget about that. Defense still helps you win games. Thoughts on that as I stepped out, step down from my, my uh, podium. No, you're absolutely right. And going back to, to the Warriors example and, and the UH tie that uh, Chris made me laugh a little bit, uh, what you said about Raphael Stone. But going back early in the UH season, I can't remember if it was November or December this past year, but Calvin Sampson gave the quote of defense and rebounding wins uh, championships. He said offense, I'll take its defense and rebound and rebounding wins championships. And going back to the Warriors point, like you said, for the Warriors, even back going back to those years when I had Kevin Durant um, and before that in 2014, 2015, 16, when they um, were up and coming and, and won that first championship, they did an excellent job of being able to stop teams. And, and going back to this year, you know, you had Andrew Wiggins. Um, he was fishing, finishing close to with double-doubles, getting securing rebounds, came on Looney at some point. Uh, I can't remember if it was him or Wiggins, but one of them had like a, a crazy memory. They finished with like 16 rebounds uh, just by themselves individually. And that goes to show that was where, Wiggins, yeah. Wiggins um, game too, I think, or three. Yeah, that, that just goes to show where really a lot of the, the eyeballs and a lot of the, the mainstream is going to gravitate towards all these points and all these uh, cool highlights, which at the end of the day, that's kind of what's going to attract uh, the casual audience. But when you look at, you know, a lot of these teams that are winning championships, even going back to a season ago uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the Bucks weren't known for their, you know, offensive prowess and winning with uh, the most beautiful side, but they still won just because of how well-rounded they were. You had Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, and Drew Holiday. Drew they Holiday. made life miserable yeah. for their opponent. Yep. For opponent. Exactly. And then, um, going back to, you could list off all the championships. The 2020 Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James were really good at being able to lock teams down. Big the Bulls. The Bulls championships. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Scottie Pippen, Ron Harper. What did they do? They got after Defense. opponents. They made life miserable. Defense. Mm-hmm. You know, fans, and unfortunately too many media people, all fall in love with the offense. That's good. But you forget about Michael Jordan just locking up dudes. Scottie Pippen just locking up dudes. That championship teams do that. You know, study it. And you're right about AD. A healthy Anthony Davis makes life miserable for opponents. LeBron James, healthy LeBron James, a younger LeBron James, mm-hmm. makes life miserable for opponents. Let's talk about that. We'll get the comment there about Jabari frustrating Chet. He did that too. But thoughts on LeBron and Russ being in the same building, and you couldn't tell. <laughs> it was like LeBron wanted nothing to do with Russ. Russ wanted nothing to do with LeBron. Russ on, was on the bench of the of the Lakers, correct? He was coaching up some of the young guys. But but I'm talking about the interaction between them directly. LeBron's yeah. like, yeah, Russ, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get Kyrie here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not worried about it if you know it or not. Yeah, I want Kyrie over you. Wow, man. Okay. All right, we'll see about that because at some point it seems like it's inevitable 
that Kyrie will be with the Lakers. And if that happens, Russ won't be with the Lakers. Because can you imagine Russ? Yeah, okay. The Lakers are going to pay Russ $47 million to come off the bench with Kyrie starting? No. Mm. Not going to happen. KD. At some point, he'll be traded. I guess. But the Nets pieces around KD and Kyrie are solid. The guys are bringing in. Do you think Kevin Durant will say, you know what? Never mind. I changed my mind. I want to, I'm going to stay here in Brooklyn. I'm going to, I like it here. Think that'll happen? Oh, if I had to put money on it, I would bet on no. Uh, I think that Kevin Durant is committed to um, finding a, a, a different place to play. But I, I agree with the point. It, a lot of it's on a standstill because when you, especially when you look at the options that he had or that's been reported that are preferred destinations, Phoenix, Miami. Um, I think Miami is a real interesting case because you also have that rule. Both Phoenix and Miami are interesting cases where I believe they can't trade. Devin Booker and, and uh, Bam Adebayo can be included in the trade as long as Ben Simmons is right. on the Brooklyn Nets roster, which uh, that that's an interesting rule in and of itself. But when you look at you know the packages that that you would think would work or what Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets would want in return. You know, you'd imagine that they'd want one of those pieces. I don't think the Phoenix Suns would want to give up Devin Booker regardless um, in any type of trade. So, um, and going back to like we did at the top of the show, where there was a lot of speculation in terms of conference realignment, there's been a lot of rumors and and stuff popping up. Where obviously they you probably think that there's going to be another team involved. There's been reports that the Rockets would be interested in being like that third team that would facilitate a trade. Um, but I think a lot of it's wait and see. And I think it, it, it'd be interesting to see which move came first um, in terms of Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, who got moved first. Uh, it looks like there's mutual interest between obviously the Nets letting Kyrie Irving uh, move on to a different team and the Lakers wanting Kyrie Irving. Um, but even then, when you look at some of the Lakers' assets, it'll be interesting to see if Kyrie were to go first. That technically Westbrook and, and KD would be back on the same roster, even if it's for days, weeks, or even you know, going to the start of the season. The Nets, if they're smart, <clears throat> and I think Sean Marks is smart, are going to wait for the best offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However long that takes. I don't and believe it'll take. I don't believe it's going to take the whole season. But they're going to wait for the best offer. And that may not be this month. It may not be in August. So we'll see. That really is the, the last big deal with NBA basketball this summer. Somebody's going on, but what's going to happen with Kevin Durant? Mm-hmm. And then what's going to happen with Kyrie? Game-wise, my whole thing with Summer League is guys don't get hurt. Youngsters mm-hmm. learn, learn the system, learn uh, chemistry with their teammates. And then don't get hurt. You know, Shaden Sharp, torn labor, out at least two mm-hmm. weeks. Jay Ivey rolled his ankle. I haven't heard today if the Pistons have announced any timetable for him being out. But just don't get hurt. You know, you saw glimpses of Jay Ivey in five minutes. But it's summer league. He's going against guys that probably won't may not be in the NBA. When he, he shined yesterday. Summer league, got to know the give and take of what you see and be able to project it going forward into – NBA games that count. So <clears throat> put this comment up from H Town Finance as we wind it down here on Folks Talking Sports on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter and Houston Round Bar View on YouTube. 
Brooklyn is going to ask for the moon, yes, but I think someone is going to match that offer at some point. Mm. May not be soon, but I think at some point, even if you want to say it, term it as someone blinked to give Brooklyn what they want. Hell, Minnesota gave Utah <laughs> the moon, the stars, <laughs> planets. You know, it only takes one team. So I think there's going to be somebody out there because yeah. it's Kevin Durant. And it's four years guaranteed. Yep, it's, it's Kevin Durant. Okay, Rudy Gobert is a very good elite defensive player. Kevin Durant can impact the game on both ends of the floor when he wants to because Kevin Durant is a very good defensive guy when he wants to be. More time than not, that's in the playoffs because, you know, why not? you got to score a lot of points in the regular season. But – it's Kevin Durant. Four years left on his contract. KD is better than Rudy Gobert. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to argue that point. So it only takes one team to say, yep, Sean Marks, you want you want what? Who? How much? Oh, yeah, we can do that. Let's make it happen. At some point, I think that will happen. But let's wrap it up. <clears throat> do you guys think Kevin Durant is hurting his reputation for asking out? Of Brooklyn because it didn't work it's only been what three years it hasn't worked is he hurting his reputation because like Giannis Giannis stayed with the Bucks the Bucks built a title team around him he helped win KD left OKC to go to Golden State won two championships then he left Golden State to go to Brooklyn and now he's things get a little hot and heavy he's like no I don't want to be in Brooklyn I'm gonna go somewhere else to try, try to win with other other championship with other help is his rep taking a hit? I think um, there's certainly there's always going to be, especially we we talked about last week um, of the potential of him going back to Golden State. I think there's there's an asterisk, uh, not really an asterisk, but there's 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 a footnote there. If say he finished his career where regardless of whether he stays or he gets traded somewhere else, assuming it's not Golden State by the way, but um, and he fails to win another championship. Um, th- there's always going to be that. Yeah, he was a good, he was a elite scorer. There was t- moments, especially going back to 17, 18, 19 seasons when it seemed like um, he was essentially unstoppable to guard just the, when you factor in his height, uh, just how high his release was. There wasn't really much that people could do to affect his shot um, during that three-year stretch when he was in Golden State. Um, and obviously what he was able to do in Oklahoma City, but he was never able to win a championship until he joined the Warriors and he's unable to do it if it with another team that's not Golden State. They'll they'll always be that by his name and there'll always be people that say he was good, but um and, and in my opinion. Let me add comment on a couple of things from Slick Rick here. Who wants to stay in Oklahoma forever? Okay, well who wants to stay in Milwaukee forever? Giannis has. Giannis did that. Okay. Who wants to stay in San Antonio forever? Tim Duncan did. The coming rings he won. Okay, different players like where they are. Either you like the city or you don't. But you don't need to bash the city. Some folks don't like Houston. Houston's a great city. But, you know, if you want to win a championship, that's one thing. But city-wise, that has nothing to do with this. OKC, you're there half the year. You can live anywhere else for another half, six months out of, the, out, of the, out of the year. That's You play for a team for six months. You can live somewhere else. Kevin Durant, to me, runs. When going gets tough, 
he likes things easy. He goes somewhere else. So that's my take on him. So, yeah, I'm taking shots at him. So if he ever hits word back and hits me up on one of his burner phones or Twitter accounts, I might be in trouble. But whatever. Here I am. So, you know, whatever. That's that's his thing. He likes he left OKC. They were on the verge. One NBA finals on the verge. Three one over going to state. Lost. And then with the team that beat him. How many guys do that? Go to the team that beat you. Okay, he took a lot of hits for that. And now he goes to Brooklyn, didn't work well, got Kyrie there. Uh, I'm not thrilled with Brooklyn, how things are. Yep, I got four years after my contract, but no, I went out and go somewhere else now. Okay, KD. All right. <clears throat> That's my take on you, Mr. Longhorn. And so that Longhorn mentality with, with Kevin Durant. Longhorns, you know, they're just different. All right, as we wrap it up here on Folks Talking Sports, James Mueller, how can folks find you on the internet, sir? You can find me on Twitter at JDM2186, and then all my stuff for UH is at uh, thedailycougar.com. And when are y'all going to uh, start uh, or posting the information with UH and the, to the Big 12? When can people look for that? Uh, Probably early August it will be. We have this thing called the First Drawer, which is like a magazine that goes out to all the incoming freshmen. So it will be in that. And then once it's in that, it will go up online as well. So late July, early August. All right. Thank you, sir. Andy Yanez, how about you? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. As they see scrolling down uh, the, the ticker. And uh, pretty much it. We also be sure to check out Pot Simon Jaima wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also on the UC Quick City Control Room uh, YouTube channel. Uh, Chris, I'll throw, toss it over to you, but I kind of wanted, wanted to share one clip. We were talking about the Brooklyn Nets, and I want to put it on your radar and, and kind of get you, you and James's uh, reaction to it, but I, I'll let you close out first. Okay. Uh, I'm Chris Gardner. Twitter is right here, T-H-E-H-R Review, website, for the Houston Round Bar Review is HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Also, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram as well as YouTube. Been doing the Houston Round Bar Review since 1994, so that's longer than both these young men have been alive. But their insight is much appreciated, and uh, I'm glad that they are part of the Houston Round Bar Review and part of Folks Talking Sports family. So, what you got, Andy? Yeah. So I'm glad I met every single one of them. I was talking to your head coach, Steve Nash, before the game, and he was saying he's encouraging you both to look for your shot, but to look for your teammates as well. You had seven assists. You laughed there. Why, why are we laughing? It is what it is. <laughs> How much you intend? So what, what, do you, what do you think of that reaction? And, and obviously, of course, that's Cam Thomas, who, who plays for Brooklyn. He's yeah. <laughs> a gunner. Uh, well, what would say you? Uh, oh, Chris, I didn't mean to give you the split screen. We're back. Uh, initial reactions to just to that reaction, I roll. Um, and that it's been mentioned that Stephen Ash uh, might have been a big part of not necessarily being the right coach for going back to when they had Harden now with Kyrie, um, Katie, and all that drama. What say you when you see that reaction from a player? Yeah, uh, Stephen Ash, when he was hired, it was definitely an out of the box hire. Uh, Cam Tom, Thomas getting seven assists in a game, it shocks me. So, I mean, I'm not sure he had seven assists in, in two weeks this past season in the NBA. But uh, I kind of wonder about that, his reaction to that. It is what it is, really. 
be a team player, man. <laughs> I mean, it's summer league, so we'll yeah. see if he gets seven assists in a game in regular season. James, anything for, from you? Uh, I mean, sort of same as Chris. Like, I mean, you, you sort of, it's just individual versus team. What do you value more? Um, but yeah, we'll see how it, how it plays along um, once, you know, the real games start coming around and things start to matter. And with that, uh, we're going to wrap it up here on Folks Talking Sports on July 10th. Uh, Willie Gibson had some things happen at the house he had to take care of, so he was not able to join us. So we did not get his Ohio State Buckeyes perspective on this show, but hopefully we'll be able to do that next Sunday, July 17th. We're getting closer to closer, closer and closer to football, training camps, college pro. So we'll be talking about more football and folk talking sports going forward. But the closer we get to football means the closer we get to basketball season. And that's what I'm looking forward to. But as always, thank you very much for tuning in to folk talking sports on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, as well as on folks talk sports on Twitter. We got the... Uh, one sponsor for the Let's Rage Cougs show, which will be uh, beginning in football. First for the first football game for the Cougs on September third. We got five games of football, and then five games of basketball, and then more lined up. Hopefully, get sponsors. Still trying to get a sponsor for Folk Talk of Sports. Uh, the less I say about that, the better. With uh, certain folks I'm dealing with, I don't want to ruin it. So, but as always, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for your comments. We'll see you next weekend. Take care. Peace.